A note. Following advice from work-life imbalance may lead to action being taken by HR, your family, the authorities, or higher powers. Welcome to Work Life Imbalance, an advice show focusing on workplace and lifestyle issues. Any resemblance to actual advice, living or dead, or actual wisdom is purely coincidental. I'm your monstrous manager, Frank Eastman. And I'm your lovable office companion, Derek Lewis. Today, we'll be talking about scheduling conference rooms in the deep dive before we address some audience questions and issues from the internet. But first... Time for the daily stand-up. Yay. So today, I wanted to talk about something near and dear to my heart as of approximately 10 minutes ago. Okay. Yogurt. <laughs> well, we... Look, okay. You've already talked about Activia, and I think that that's the only yogurt reference we need uh, for this, like, four or five block of episodes. So you may have to pick another one, I think. Well, how about... You know, no, 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 wait, Nate, we'll, we'll give you a freebie. One pass, one free pass, so do your yogurt. Well, more broadly, I wanted to talk about fermented foods. Okay. Because have you seen some of this stuff out there that's not actually yogurt? Uh, like like uh, kefir and other such things or, or what are you talking about kind of like that kefir it's its own is its own sort of thing and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit but i have gotten my hands on a couple of products that are not new to you know existence in the world but sort of new to uh my consumption well you, you can't really say like got my hands on because now i'm thinking it's like some sort of like a black market you know, Korean uh, underground made from something horrible type of stuff. Like, where did you get this stuff? Well, I, I got it at, like, the hipster grocery store. So Okay. All right. So it's the other way. It's the, the, the hipsters, like, can't just have uh, normal food, have to have uh, food that's been sitting in the sun for a long time. Okay. Gotcha. Exactly. Well, we can't just eat yogurt because yogurt is for <laughs> plebeians. We instead need right. to eat some... <laughs> Some hyper-special shit that uh, nobody's ever fucking heard of in this country before. Right. So, uh, I've had two we got? recently, and um, they're interesting. So, one is called Skier. <laughs> you didn't say good. <laughs> uh, I didn't say good. Uh, oh, Skier. Uh, uh, that's a Icelandic, isn't it? Yep. It's an Icelandic uh, product that is very similar to yogurt. Right. Uh, but is not in actuality classified as yogurt, and then something called quark. <laughs> okay, so quark is definitely new to me. Uh, Skier, I have had. Uh, I've had the uh, the Sigis brand. Um, that that they sell at Publix, which uh, you know, I'm not saying that's like the end all be all brand, but that is something that I have heard of. And right. Jessica loves it. Me, uh, you know, it's a little bit too tangy for me. Like uh, you know, yogurt always has kind of a tang. And, you know, on the scale of tanginess, uh, you have like Yoplait, which is like, <clears throat> you know, very little tang. 
you know, no flavor, <laughs> no real like nutritional value whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so, so I think there is this corresponding uh, tang to nutritional value ratio. Um, so then you have like the Greek yogurt, which is, you know, much more tangy than like a Yoplait, uh, much more, much better for you, a lot, lot better bacteria, things like that. So, you know, then, then you're, you're moving up as far as quality. Then you get to like skier and holy shit. The, the tang on that is, uh, is if you're going to say that cork is more extreme than skier, then w- this, this may be a problem. So no, 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 uh, no. Um, so cork is skier honestly should be, but perhaps isn't less tangy than a lot of yogurts. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Uh, and it is similar to the reason why cork is skier is actually cheese. Really? It, it's only classified as such because during the production process, uh, they add rennet to cause it to essentially coagulate faster. Okay. Uh, so like a yogurt would have just the bacterial cultures working on it, uh, as opposed to being sort of, uh, firmed up, uh, through the use of rennet, which is what you use to make cheese. We are quickly butting up against the, the maximum of my cheese or yogurt making knowledge, so... Yeah, no, Try no. carefully. Yeah, uh, welcome to <laughs> welcome to the place that I fucking live, where I'm like, hmm, what the fuck is this shit? Let me go look it up. Right. Uh, quark is German, and it is very similar in sort of consistency to yogurt, uh, specifically Greek yogurt and skier, mm-hmm. uh, and it too is a cheese by official definitions. I see we have some uh, imposters on the yogurt aisle. Yes, we do. They're not yogurt. They're something different altogether. But I've had both. Uh, the cork okay. is, is almost weird to me because it's not... It doesn't have that yogurt wang. You know, like that tangy uh, flavor that I you mean, had sort Frank, of discussed? I prefer most of mine, my yogurt to be wang-free. Uh, yeah. Just in general. <laughs> You stir your yogurt how you stir your yogurt. I'll stir mine how I stir mine. Just make sure that I don't let you stir mine. No dinner parties at my house. But yeah, if you don't if you don't like that tanginess out of yogurt, uh, you might in fact like cork. I found it just a little like it wasn't bad, but it was just so, like, I'm eating yogurt, but my brain is processing that this is definitely not fucking yogurt, that right. uh, I would probably have to have it again to, to appropriately... Like, really process it properly. Yeah, you know, for yeah. me, I was just sitting there like, uh, I don't know what this is. I bought it, and this is not uh, yogurt. This is something different altogether. And I had to look it up. <laughs> and then I did the same thing I, with the skier, because uh, I think it was it was on sale. You know me. Uh, <laughs> You'll try anything on sale once. I'll try anything that's on sale once. No, we, we picked some up because it was on sale, and it's like, oh, what the fuck is this? Skier. That's cool. Uh, I'll try it. And I, I really liked the skier, because uh, it had a little more of that yogurt sort of uh, flavor and consistency. That I was it, expecting it could masquerade from my somewhat as yogurt. Yeah, it, it was definitely like if it showed up to the yogurt party, no one would be like, mm, no, you get out. <laughs> Whereas the cork shows up to the party and they're like, mm, you're spoonable and you're a dairy product. 
but she ain't yogurt friend. Oh, I mean, typically, like, spoonability is uh, the main way that I get into most of my parties. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, same here. So, uh, do, uh, do, uh, oh my god. Uh, so does, uh, does Skier and, uh, Quark, the flavor, or the, the versions you got, were they, uh, flavored with, like, fruit or chocolate or what yeah, kind of Yeah, like, I, I got both of them, I think, in Key Lime, uh, cause that's, like, my favorite yogurt flavor. Okay. I got, I got two favorites. Just, just turning that shit right to 11, I got Yeah, it. yeah, <laughs> like, it's, well, and here's the thing, I don't necessarily like the tanginess of yogurt either, but if it's in there with, like, a citrus fruit. Well, then citrus is already supposed to be tangy, so fuck it, let's rock. Right. Uh, So, yeah, (laughs) uh, usually my favorite yogurt flavor is key lime, uh, followed very closely by uh, there's there's one particular one uh, that uh, that we pick up and uh, I forget the brand even, but they have a maple uh, flavored yogurt. And oh. I will, I will literally go through tubs of that shit just <laughs> with granola, uh, just granola yeah. and that maple yogurt. Like, it's not health food. Because here's right. the thing: like, so many people are like, "Oh, yogurt, it's healthy." Yeah, if you're getting the the non-fat, you know, we made this with milk water uh, kind of yogurts, right? And, and I, I will say that I prefer like the bad for you yogurts well absolutely and i i think there's there's two different types of quote-unquote good for you i mean there's healthy uh which most people mean you know is not like super fattening or you know super calorie dense or whatnot um which you know most of these yogurts as they come really are not there's a second one which is you know it is good for your body to have you know just from a like a a a flora, you know, gut flora type of thing, you know, it gives you good bacteria, it gives you good fats, um, you know, things like that. So I, I can see that as a, uh, a potential, um, you know, maybe it is healthy for you, but, but no, if you're, if you're trying to trim down, no, you will not be finding a, that will not be on the Weight Watchers and or Atkins list. I believe. Nay, nay. Yeah. I, uh, I was chowing down most recently on some Noosa, yogurt uh noosa brand mm-hmm. yogurt and it's like a full whole milk yogurt and i yeah. just i just was like uh i hate myself let me go ahead and check out the uh the back of this particular package and oh, see God. what kind of damage i'm doing and that's yeah, just did like, you do it before before or after you ate it oh about during? about two-thirds of the way through just <laughs> okay so that i had no choice but to continue through to the end but that i could enjoy right. the last few bites of it with the knowledge that I was doing horrible things to my uh, my because, body, because if you if you looked at it like halfway through, that's it's not quite a turning point. You could stop and say, "Oh, you know, I ate less than half of it. I'm okay." But uh, once you cross the two thirds threshold, yeah, you're you're pretty much committed. So yeah, I'm committed uh, to finishing it. That's a pretty good plan. I like that. Um, <laughs> but that's stuff. I mean, that's I'll, stuff I'll, like- I'll use that. I'll use that whenever I'm like two thirds through my. Uh, uh, what I call my personal pan pizza, or you know, a, just a large a pan pizza. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but they, they, hey, that's a good point. Uh, every everything comes in a pan, and if I'm eating it by myself, it it can technically be called a personal pan. Um, they just didn't know it was for one person when they put it in the box. Personal pan lasagna. 
I think somebody said uh, <laughs> every uh, every pizza is a personal pan pizza if you try hard enough. Yes, if you believe in yourself, Derek, <laughs> like I believe in you. Oh, I I I have lots of faith in myself that I can <laughs> I can kill a whole large pizza. I don't like to exercise that power often because I do have responsibility with my powers. Um, but sometimes yeah, things get away from you. And, and you had brought up kefir. Have you ever tried it? No. Uh, the the only experience I have with kefir or kefir, I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Either. Um, but uh, is there was a, some show, I don't remember what, but they were like, they were dragging kefir so bad. Um, basically like, <laughs> like somebody mixed it with something and they're like, Oh my God, this is the worst thing I've ever had. And, I, and then I saw it in the store and I'm like, mm, I don't know, not, not going to take that plunge. I mean, maybe like you, you know, if I see it on sale, I'll be like, now is the time that I try kefir. Um, but like, I have a very bad tendency to, <laughs> to go into things without an open mind. Um, I mean, cause I, I like a lot of different foods. Like I like, you know, pretty much the whole spectrum of food. I mean, I can't, I, I mean, I guess I could get to my weight <laughs> without, you know, without being too, um, w- with being super discerning and only liking certain things. I'm sure that you'd have you to know, try I'd, real hard though. Right. I mean, I'd have to do like five pounds of chicken nuggets a day, um, to, to keep up this glistening huge form. Um, <laughs> this- this orca-like sleekness. <laughs> there we go. I was actually searching my brain for the word orca-like. <laughs> Hence the uh, the glistening uh, preface. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, but no, I, I when, whenever I hear somebody like just really ragging on a certain thing, um, I will be a little bit predisposed to not like it. And you know, sometimes I'll try it and I'll be pleasantly surprised, but. Uh, my my uh, psychosomatic brain is uh, extremely strong, so if I go in with a negative attitude, I probably will not like something. So, uh, kefir is is not going to be something I try soon. It um, like not to not to further uh, denigrate it in your mind, but <laughs> so like I had never tried uh, the product because I had learned about it, and I forget where I pick up this shit randomly. Uh, but it, like, yogurt has bacterial cultures. Right. Uh, kefir has a symbiotic relationship built between bacteria and fungus that exists in, like, these little, uh, grouped nodules. Uh, and that's how the kefir gets made. And just the, the very concept of it... I was like, <laughs> fuck no, y'all. That sounds gross as hell. I do not have any interest in your fungus bacteria, you know, mare juice. Uh, oh, I will, I will be all right without it. But then uh, it went on <sighs> sale, so we ended up with a bottle. Uh, <laughs> you know, just this for is... just for trying, uh, just, just for the, the purposes of trying. Uh, I'm guessing that most of the things in and around your house uh, that turned out to be bad ideas start with a story similar to, well, it was on sale, so... it's uh, I'm Not necessarily the bad ideas. I uh, There's many things that get picked up that are good, that are on sale. It's just a, a, a great uh, methodology 
for shopping. But at any rate, um, <laughs> we we had the kefir. We tried it. We drank it. Uh, then we had the rest of it, and we decided maybe... <laughs> did you drink it, or did you chew it? Like, that's what I want to know. Yeah, both. Uh, <laughs> so that was... Gross. Pleasant. Oh. And then we were like, you know what? Uh, we'll try cooking it into something, because sometimes you can use, like, yogurt uh, instead of other, other things in uh, cooking products. And we tried cooking it into some baked goods. And even okay. then, like, just the the particular uh, funk of it uh, carried through even the baking process. So not even, like, nutmeg or, like, banana bread ingredients could, could outweigh the funk. It was, I mean, it was not, it was not terrible. And I think the, the baked goods got eaten, but it was still, like, mm. I don't know about this. Yeah, you know, I, I used to think, you know, ha- having not gone to like a ton of like family or office parties, uh, I thought that people eating it all, you know, whatever you prepared, eating it all was a good indicator of its quality. And I've come to find out that uh, that's not so much the case because at the end of the day, like once all the good stuff gets eaten, like. The, then then the quality of the food that gets eaten is lower and lower until like you're left with like celery dipped in peanut butter and I don't know some sort of like pretzel dipped in hot sauce like like that's the the final refuse of like a party buffet or something like that so uh that doesn't that doesn't mean that yours was good it just means that it was kind of it uh, was there. not as bad as yeah it wasn't it wasn't the worst that was there um so yeah, baking goods or, or baked goods being finished doesn't necessarily uh, sell me on it so much. But uh, I, I guess the next time you, you cook something and you feel that uh, <laughs> that kefir is a good addition, and you make enough, you know, save some for our game night, and don't tell me, but then let me try it. All right, I will I'm definitely do. go well. Just uh, I mean, make sure the barf bucket. I mean, we all, we always have our barf bucket ready for game night. Oh, of course. I mean, that's a... Just make sure it's on my element. side of the table. And yeah. It, <laughs> it's always required. All right, Derek, you want to hit the deep dive? Let's do that. All right. Today in the, in the deep dive, uh, I want to talk about conference room scheduling. A lot of people that work in office environments will find this to be just a constant constant fight with others on their floor or in their building because as we all know conference rooms vary in quality some are really nice with really good projectors really good you know connective equipment good really good remote tools and some are not so much uh maybe they have like a uh hopefully there's no some there's no sort of you know infestation or like smell problem to them um, but even even i mean sometimes we we create that problem um but you know sometimes there are problems such as uh you know one of the rooms that we used to have was really uh close to the outside wall so in the winter months it would be super super cold so with that varying quality of of conference rooms you know there's a mad dash when some big event happens or there's some sort of, you know, teleconference that we've got going on 
for all the teams to rush and get the best room or whatever they consider is the best room. So Frank, I know that you are you know, much more intimately related to this. Uh, how has conference room scheduling made your life harder? So having worked with me, you know that sort of my general persona around the office is disappointed with your bullshit. Just like that's, <laughs> that's my general. emotional level. That's, that's my general emotional level. Uh, conference rooms are one of those things that can get me heated. <laughs> get get past uh, disappointed and into like... Like get into pissed off. So there are a couple things that I want to talk about specifically about, you know, scheduling meetings. <clears throat> so the first is having longstanding meetings that block a conference room even when they aren't meeting that week or that day. How do you handle that? I mean, what, what kind of rat bastard would do that? The kinds that you have bitched to me about constantly, Frank. <laughs> Are yeah, you saying that you've, that you've turned into this now? Have you become what you most hated when you talked to me? We always, we always become that which we hate, Derek. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, sometimes I'm guilty of this because I have those, those standard meetings that happen every single week at the same time and the same place. Right. And, and then sometimes if that meeting becomes redundant, I don't exactly release the room or anything because it's part of a long uh, stretch of meetings and going in there and editing one and all that. It, it, it's really a lot more trouble than it's worth to me personally. And the possibility of like accidentally deleting the entire series is would would just be catastrophic. <laughs> right. Because then your claim is forever gone. Yeah. And that, and that becomes annoying. Uh, the thing that the thing that pisses me off the most is when people have like override authority. Oh yeah. And so you go into a long-standing meeting, and you know that you've you know I've booked the room, I've been in this room every week for the last six months at this time, and now here's somebody else in there, and like you can pretty much see the steam begin coming out of my nostrils. <laughs> but I mean, what what do you actually do? In that situation, you know, obviously, you know, maybe there was somebody that was higher up that had, you know, more authority, things like that. I mean, is it okay for them to just come and just debo one of your conference rooms when it's a ceremony that your team relies on every week? Like, how how do you combat that? Like, how, how do, would you even fight that? Generally, I look at the politics of the situation. Like, if it's someone who is even just like one step above me. Uh, I've got no qualms about being like, oh, hey, uh, we have this room, we've had this room, and I need my team to be able to have the meeting that's in this room um, and and sort of get them out. Uh, what, what some people had taken to doing was starting their meeting like 30 minutes to 15 minutes offset from mine. Okay. So that by the time I go to the room and find the room taken up, their meeting is already full and swing, you know, as oh, opposed to us wow. both arriving at the meeting room approximately the same time and me telling them, no, you can't, uh, you can't jump in, you know, to the room because this oh. is the room that I've got. No, they'll, they'll have already been in there for 15 to 20 minutes, uh, doing some Fuck, sort of important low. presentation. That is intentional. Like that's not even like a one time, let me do this because it's necessary. This is like, 
fuck this guy, he's not important, his team isn't important, I'm going to do what I feel like doing. Wow. And then those people I just mark uh, to slowly politically destroy over the course of years. (laughs) Add them to the the list, uh, schedule them properly, uh, and make sure that they come up in in due time. Um, But honestly, you know, like having having those conference room schedules that that are you know concrete and that that are you know respected by everybody like those are very important to me and for one particular reason that you know we've talked about before uh, I'm a little bit <laughs> a little bit anxious <laughs> as a person and for me to like when I walk into a conference room uh that I expect to be empty I go in with confidence like I just Grab the handle, walk in, and I'm like three steps in before I really <laughs> take stock of my surroundings and realize that there are people in there. Um, at that point, if I walk into a conference room that's supposed to be scheduled for us and people are in it, uh, I look around the room, make eye contact, and then then there's just like a Derek-shaped hole through the wall. Like I just, <laughs> I just exit the floor. Like like there's. Somebody else will have to figure out the politics because at that point I am you know, partially mortified and I am I am fucking gone. So <laughs> just pull the carpet back over yourself on your way through, huh? <laughs> just it's like okay, that's that's enough peopling for today. I'm done. <laughs> See, I guess to some extent it's kind of my job, so I don't necessarily mind fronting up on people. Uh, right. If I go in there and, you know, like the only time that it's difficult is, again, as I said, when I go in there and they're 20 minutes into a meeting and the lights are off and there's 20 people in there and they've got something up on the screen, it's a little difficult for me to to politely, uh, in a business context, like flip on the light and be, get out, motherfuckers. <laughs> Whereas if, if we show up at the same time that they've shown up or within a couple minutes of each other, like, I don't mind. They can have everybody in the room and they're starting to set up equipment. If I book the room and I know for a fact that I've got the room booked, I'll be like, oh, hey, sorry, guys. We've got this room booked. And I'll, I'll let them all just, you know, stare daggers at me as they collect their shit and shuffle out of the room. <laughs> I have seen that before where you basically, you know, come in, tell somebody, tell people to leave. And then you kind of like stand next to the door, like, uh, <laughs> like one of the folks at a funeral. Uh, so they have to like pass by you and like acknowledge you on the way out. <laughs> they know like, what they did. They do. They do. And just the, uh, the, the, um, uh, the chastised look on their face is, is just priceless. <laughs> um, so you know, I don't I don't want to belabor the point too much, but I did want to toss out one thing that I think uh, could help us a little bit in our or anyone help anyone in our efforts to find a conference room that we want and can schedule and nobody else wants. So you've seen this thing in movies where you know you'll walk into somebody will walk into a room and it's just like a shithole, like nothing good in the entire room. Then they like hit a button. And all of a sudden, like all the shiny stuff pops out of nowhere and it's like a fully functioning space. That's what I propose these conference rooms should be. I, uh, I like the idea. So set it up to where, you know, if you have a conference phone, uh, make sure that it's unplugged or 
you know, make sure that that something's just a little bit loose so that the connection sounds bad. So anytime somebody uses it, they say, oh, well, this this phone is shit. We can't use this room. Uh, maybe go up and like wiggle a couple of uh, easily accessible wires on <laughs> on the the projector. Um, maybe <laughs> maybe go as petty as to like uh, make some of the chairs a little bit unstable. <laughs> so kind of like when uh, you know supposedly whenever you know police interview you, they put you in a chair that's kind of wobbly. So do the same thing for these like really expensive office chairs to where every time they sit down in one, it's it's a little bit off. Like they can't find the knob to fix it, but you know it's a little bit off because I've but got your- the knob. Exactly. Your people have, you know, they, they know what's wrong and they can just like come in in like two minutes, just like completely work over the room and turn it back into a functioning conference room. You do have to plan like two minutes before, two minutes after to do the, you know, the setup and the breakdown uh, to return it to its shitty state. But uh, but yeah, I I think that would actually work uh, pretty effectively. What are you thinking in this instance, like Halloween decorations might be your friends to get them on sale uh, early November. (laughs) Okay. (coughs) So like get some of those fake cobwebs, put them up in the corners, (laughs) make it look dusty and abandoned. Uh, Get one of those window cling films that makes it look like a broken window and put it on the television uh, so that it looks like the TV's broken. Okay, I can. And then when you come in, you can just like take the cling down, uh, plug your phone back in, put the knob back on, or the the wheel that you have stolen from uh, (laughs) from each of the the uh, office chairs. Office chairs. And then uh, and then you're ready to rock and roll. And then it it takes you just as you said, like a couple of minutes. You just pull the wheels off the the conference chairs, uh, put the window cling back up on the TV to make it look broken unplug the conference phone and nobody wants to use the room anymore let's uh let's take the elevator to accounting let's do it i'm megan i'm rj and we host Oh No Lit Class, a comedy literature podcast that tells you all the strange and sexy facts you never knew about the books you had to read in school. Every episode is a fun, foul-mouthed spark notes for your ears, filled with author bios, plot summaries, bad impressions, and Megan singing. It's mostly you that sings. No, I sing well, she sings poorly. That's not true. So come listen to us ruin classic literature one book at a time at ohnolitclass.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh no, lit class. We're for kids. No, we're not. What's up, home trees? It's me, Chris. And Corey. And Donnie. From the More Gooder Than podcast. For each episode, the three of us pick a thematically similar movie. Like Dances with Wolves, The Last Samurai, and Avatar. Or Deep Impact, Armageddon, and Space Cowboys. And then duke it out until one movie is crowned most goodest. Three movies enter, one movie leaves. Ironically, Thunderdome was not the winner when we tackled the Mad Max trilogy. You know why, right? I... Oh, yeah. We don't need another hero! Hey, uh, where can people find more good of them? You can find us on Twitter at MGT Podcast, our website, mgtpodcast.com, and on Instagram and Facebook at more good or them. We're on iTunes slash Apple Podcast. You can find us on Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, 
and any other podcatcher that you can think of. Remember, it's not just good, it's more gooder than. Would you like to get to an audience question, Derek? I can think of nothing better, Frank. I sometimes sneeze at work. Someone invariably says, bless you. This bothers me. No one could believe my spirit is violently escaping my body via a burst of air and nasal juice (laughs) and are simply making a comment they believe is polite. This alone I could abide, but to then expect me to thank them is a bridge too far. What can I do to not seem rude while still not thanking them for their preconditioned, empty sentiment? <laughs> Sent in by far too blessed in Behem. <laughs> okay. Uh, so my first thought, just, you know, first thought, best thought, uh, is what would his response be to if they just said Gesundheit? Because... Uh, I, I, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't, I don't think that. Does that mean bless you in German? Uh, you know, I've never looked uh, it up. Um, I, I haven't either. I mean, I, I just assumed it was the, the less uh, or the more um, religiously ambiguous version of the two. Um, or, or enough people, like, I mean, it could say something about Hitler and I wouldn't know. Um, so, you know, if, if uh, I wonder what? what his response would be if, you know, if they're saying Gazuntite, you know, maybe he would say thank you. Uh, or do you think it's it's or it's any expression of uh, of sneezing would would <laughs> elicit this guttural, visceral fuck you response? <laughs> ah, um, let's see. I, I I guess I have to assume that they would have the same reaction because it's it's not necessarily the religiosity that they seem to have a problem with. It seems to be the fact that it's a conditioned uh, response. So it's like the emptiness of the sh- of the social gesture. Hmm. I mean, I-, I wonder if they would feel better if, like, they sneezed and I responded with "fuck you" or <laughs> like a chew, hope you die. Uh, a chew, is it contagious? <laughs> I, that's always my first question. Uh, Although after our last episode and the uh, the depths to which we talked about pollen, uh, now when somebody sneezes, I say, "I see you've been t- to the conifer bukkake." <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking if I know this person, I'm going to carry around a little jar and uh, just like a regular mason jar, but on the outside of it, I'll have a label that says "spirit jar." <laughs> and every time they sneeze, I'll just like snap it closed real quick. And start screwing on the lid and be like, ha, 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 I've got it now, motherfucker. <laughs> You're not getting away this time. Yep. Now I got a little piece. Yeah. I mean, I guess that that's not something I've really thought of often. Uh, because, you know, I don't know. This this one's a toughie. Because, you know, I don't, I don't want to force my religious leanings one way or the other on other people. Um, but I do that. Like... Like whenever somebody, if I hear somebody sneeze from like a hundred paces, I still, <laughs> if if they were loud enough for me to hear it, I will I will return at the same general like decibel level that they sneezed at, so that they can hear me say "bless you." Um, hmm. 
I never really thought about it as being uh, somewhat. Oh God! The more I think about it, the more it's it's stupid all around. Why the fuck do we need people to acknowledge that we sneezed? Holy shit! So um, <laughs> I have given it some thought, and I had uh, I have looked this up previously, and no one really knows. That's it's okay. one of the weird fucking things. Like this is a a conditioned response, but it's a conditioned response that like is so old that there's not a lot of really good um, primary sources that document it. There's a lot of theories that are floating around out there as to the reason why. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there doesn't seem to be any of them, any of them that are, are so locked in as to be the undeniable truth. I think back in like the 1500s, uh, back when this originated, like as soon as somebody sneezed, like they would immediately die. So, <laughs> so in order to kind of, uh, give them their last rites. If there's no priest around, like, I guess it's kind of like the order of operations. Like, if there's a priest around, the priest has to say, bless you, uh, to give, like, the most powerful <laughs> last rites. Uh, but if there are no priests handy, then, you know, the, the regular people can say, bless you. Uh, and then, then as they pass away from whatever horrible, un, you know, incurable disease they had at the time, um, then, you know, their, their soul would proceed to whatever afterlife with the best blessings, I would assume. I think um, I think during that period, every disease was an incurable disease. That's a good point. There there weren't <laughs> there weren't a whole lot of uh, you know real good medicines back then. So yeah, um, everything you from look a, a little you know, ill. Let's bleed you with leeches. Like uh, that's that's not helping. No, that's not. Um, yeah, so I guess this is just one of those weird things that. Uh, you know, just just never really dies. Um, but I would be perfectly happy with this dying permanently. And here's here's why. Because okay. uh, for the second time this episode, we're going to mention uh, my, my, my anxiety. And so when somebody makes a noise that sounds like a sneeze, but not not sounds like it could be a sneeze. My brain goes into overdrive. And basically falls down the spiral of like, <laughs> was that a sneeze? Wait, it didn't really sound like a sneeze. Like they didn't really like, you know, make the body motions for a sneeze. But I mean, it certainly sounded like a sneeze. What if it was a cough? If it was a cough, I say, bless you. Am I going to be an asshole? Like it just goes into this spiral. And like, <laughs> so like a minute passes and I finally resolve that it was a sneeze. And I'm like, bless you. <laughs> just like, look at me like, what? for, for what? And I mean, I'm probably, I'm sure it's probably like more like four seconds that all that transpires in. But like my, my brain goes into that, that spiral that I've talked about before where it, it just kind of spins out of control, locks up. And then finally I'm able to produce some sort of social interaction. Six but. years later, you send them a card that just says, bless you. <laughs> bless you. <laughs> Then they send one back. It's like, I've been waiting for this day for so long. <laughs> the one time that nobody blessed me when I sneezed. And you finally have. No, I'm, um, I'm sitting here trying to think if I do this or not. Like, I I don't know. Is it so conditioned a response that I don't recall having done it? Or, or do I not do it? And thus, do I seem rude to everyone around me? I don't know. Uh... 
Huh. Cause, cause I tend to kind of have this, uh, this almost like, um, radar for that type of thing. Like generally when somebody sneezes, like, well, and, and, and it's all kind of precipitated by the fact that I used to have a, a, a guy at work that, that sneezed three times, basically on the hour, every hour. Like <laughs> it was always three. Um, and it was multiple times a day and it was like clockwork. And so just by, just de facto, you start noticing things because it happens so frequently. Um, I mean, anything that happens like eight times a day, like you're probably eventually going to pick up some pattern, picks up, blah, pick up some patterns. Um, so like I would start kind of like, uh, like hearing who was the, the most rapid response when it came to saying bless you. And, you know, there were a couple people in the nearby cubes that were like on fucking point, like, <laughs> like some would like say bless you after the first one. And I'm like, hold on, we're not done yet. Let's <laughs> sneeze two more Give times. it a minute. And then, and then say bless you. Um, and you can always tell when somebody, uh, is not normally like doesn't normally sit around us because they'll come by and they'll say bless you on the first one. But all of us that were that sat around him would wait for the third one and then go bless you. And it, it was all it, it almost felt like a bit of a community, like <laughs> it helped bring us together because we knew that quirk so well that uh, you know it was it, it bonded us in a in an unspoken way. Um, <laughs> And occasionally, when he would only sneeze twice in a very rare occasion, uh, somebody would be like, hmm, only two today. <laughs> <laughs> we we brave few. We band of brothers. <laughs> it's so asinine, but it, it it really, you know, brought up that sense of community. Um, but no, and whenever I sneeze, uh, you know, it's not super often. Like, I don't sneeze uh, multiple times a day. Um but occasionally when I sneeze in the office, like sometimes I'll have that, uh, I don't know, maybe it's like, a. I don't know. I'm, I'm checking up to see how, how much people like me <laughs> and how blessed they feel I should be <laughs> because, you know, I'll sneeze and I'll kind of listen for a second. And then like, you know, I'll have that, that, that stupid moment where it's like, oh, nobody felt that I needed to be, <laughs> nobody felt like acknowledging it. They don't care about me. Then just from a couple cubes over, it's like, fuck you, you needy git. No, so I do have that moment of weakness where uh, my my self-worth is tied up in whether or not somebody responds to my bodily functions. (laughs) 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 Because responding positively is not something that normally happens to things that (laughs) that my body creates. Um, So I'll take it wherever I can get it. (laughs) <laughs> so this person's specific question is what can I do to not seem rude while not thanking them for the statement? And I don't know. Is there a way that you can do it without seeming rude? The only thing I can think of is uh, if you just become that guy that adopts the finger guns. So Wait, like, I thought bless you. And you're like, Hey, <laughs> pew, pew. <laughs> then, then they'd be worried that you're like, like kind of like spiritually blasting the souls that come out of them. That, I'm not that sh- might be it. Not sure My that's other better. Was it, it would it would help stop people uh, if your conditioned response to that was simply like a quick hail Satan? Because uh, <laughs> I, I imagine they would stop 
you know, trying to engage with you on on many levels, uh, but this one in particular, <laughs> if your conditioned response to their conditioned response was always something along the lines of "Hail Satan," <laughs> um, I mean, ten points for effectiveness overall, but uh, I'm not sure that's going to do a whole lot in the not seeming uh, rude department. Um, that's that's the risk. I mean, uh, I guess it's not technically rude like it it's uh, it's no less um <laughs> it's no more or less rude than other people injecting whatever religiosity that uh religiosity that they feel is appropriate um but i guess it it definitely is unconventional i just um, i don't think it would play well in this particular market Let's no just i don't, put I don't it that think way. so i agree with that um and the more I think about this, like the weirder it becomes because it's, it's something that everybody does regardless of like, for the most part, regardless of their religious background or anything, like it's just something that is almost like pan religious. Uh, because like when you think about it and think about the, the, you know, the inverse of that, of somebody (laughs) saying hail Satan, whenever you sneeze, um, then it becomes weird. But the question is why? Like why does why is that so much weirder than the other one? Like why have we been conditioned to be acceptable to one of them but the other is like so out of left field? Maybe maybe we've discovered one of those deep cultural touchstones that will finally bring uh people of disparate uh political backgrounds together again. Okay. In well, in our shared response uh, to the expulsion of nose juice. <laughs> okay, I mean I'm I'm all for this unification, but I mean like with most most things, you know, if there are ten standards and you come up with, you know, if you consolidate all the standards into one, you now have eleven standards. Um, at, at risk of doing that, I'm I'm still behind this, but what do we think is the uh, like the the pan religious pan political personal pan pizza whatever um, response to this that uh, that nobody of any but any background can get can be offended by. I I will use an element uh, from my my own life when I want to uh, to give someone sort of a, a nod without necessarily being overtly religious about it. Okay. I, I just wish them strength. <laughs> we could all use See? a little strength. Okay, so so how would that play out though? Like like give me give me an actual scenario, uh, a play by play. So you sneeze, and okay. then my response is simply strength. Hey, I like that. And no, you know, if they if they know you, they know that it's going to be some sort of like mm, strength. Uh, and if they don't know you. They'll think that you're just being like strength, man. They're they're exactly. not going to know that difference. Like it's the difference between like you know inspiring somebody or like giving them like some sort of like uh, casting a spell to give them a strength buff. They're not going to know which one it is, but but they will feel strength. I like that. So uh, I will start adopting that. If all of our listeners can start doing that as well, uh, we'll we'll see how long we it takes for us to pay it forward. Um, but I am just looking forward to being in an airport one day and sneezing and somebody just be like, strength. So, 
offhand, uh, the the larger, you know, the standard response seems to have been codified by uh, as far back as 77 AD. So it might take a hot minute for our version <laughs> uh, to spread around the globe. So what you're saying is our grassroots uh, effort may... Uh, we we may be sowing the seed for future generations, but we may not uh, bear the fruit in ours. We we may not live to see it, as with so many other things. All right, how about an issue from the internet? Sounds good. All right. So this one didn't have a username, so we're going to call them Benifer. 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 Uh, Benifer asks, uh, problems with co-workers' blog? A co-worker of mine managed to fracture her hand at my work, don't ask me how. We worked technical support for a large communications company over a month and a half ago. She maintains a page on MySpace. Ooh, that's... I thought this one was recent. Is MySpace is MySpace still around? I don't even know if that's a thing anymore, but go on. And updates it regularly. I'm a friend of hers on the website, and about two weeks ago, I noticed a picture section of her page. She had nothing but images of her having a good time with her friends drinking, and basically enjoying her time off. Now, of course, no one says she has to spend her disability time in her home doing nothing, uh, but it does irk me to see this. What disturbs me is the fact that in her blog, she's posted several times that she is currently looking for a job, but plans to use up all her short-term disability from the company we both work for before leaving. What should I do? Nothing? Or should I inform my boss? Hmm. This is okay. There's a couple things to unpack in here. First of all, uh, that's straight up like you know, disability fraud. <laughs> there, <laughs> there's that. Like it is actively, uh, I believe, a crime that she's right. committing. But my counterpoint to that, Derek, is snitches get stitches. The, I I say that all the time. It's it's the mantra when I wake up in the morning. Um, I mean, I've got it tattooed on the back of my neck, so. <laughs> so it's not exactly useful, uh, but it does tell people, but it does actually encourage the people behind you who witnessed you doing a crime. Uh, it, it encourages them not to snitch. Exactly. Because they'd be worried about getting stitches. You can't, you can't have that on the front because, you know, you can already see them. <laughs> but, but what of the people that witness you committing a crime are in front of you? So you need to tattoo it on your forehead, which is it, 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 that's really what needs to happen. Uh, I think that'll be a good look. So, <laughs> so I think what we're missing is the actual crime here. Okay, and that is someone still using MySpace, and not just <laughs> not just someone, but two someones. Yeah, two someone. She, you know, the the question asker said that. She is using it as well. Um, that that bothers me on a deep level, Frank. Because um, I used to use MySpace. Uh, the last time I could really remember was like in like 2010, 2011, somewhere around there. Um, soon after, it, it kind of completely went away. Um, but yeah, I don't know how I feel about this. I mean, um, that's, that's like someone opening up with, we're shakers. And, you know, like anything that follows, I'm like, you're what? Those, that's still a thing? Wow. What, what is that thing? What are you talking about? You haven't heard of Shakers? 
I mean, possibly. It, it it's one of those things that that like it sounds vaguely familiar, but like it could have like fallen out of my head a long time ago. Oh fuck! And as there, we were, what, what is a, a shaker? It's a it's a very small uh, religious uh, subgroup. Uh, they are most famous for uh, furniture that they make. Okay. Uh, so it's a little similar to uh, the Pennsylvania Dutch. Um, uh, I mean, I'm familiar with the term Quaker. Yeah, the Quakers. It's it's similar, but it's a different group altogether. The problem with the Shakers is, uh, I believe, one of the tenets of, of their particular offshoot is that people have to choose to become Shakers. Like, you don't just get jumped into the gang when you get born, as goes with most <laughs> okay. religions. And, and so they have to, like, have people join. And I just, I think people aren't joining. So it's it's legitimately in danger of dying out, like, the last, you know, half a dozen of them or something, apparently, are, like, 85. <laughs> See, now I'm envisioning, like, some sort of, like, a heartwarming tale of uh, almost like a, kind of like the, the Incredibles, where... <laughs> Like they become a certain age, and all of a sudden they realize they can they can do like superpowers and stuff like that. And their parents have to sit them down. It's like okay, you know, you are you know your parents are superheroes, and now you have to choose whether or not you're going to be a superhero or stop using your powers. Uh, but in this case, it's we are a very old <laughs> we are of a very old religion. Now you have to decide whether or not you you know partake in this religion or not. Um, I mean, I'm familiar with um, with the Amish, and you know they have that uh, period of time when they be when they turn 18, I believe. Um, yeah, uh, Rum Rumspringa, and uh, they have to choose whether or not to stay in the religion. Now, up until that point, they've already been you know indoctrinated and and things like that. But uh, but during that Rumspringa, they go out and experience the uh, the outside world, and you know then <laughs> if they're not addicted to whatever things that they get themselves into, then they can come back and everything's all fine and dandy. So um, the moral of this story is that anybody utilizing MySpace is uh, exactly the same as obscure dying uh, religious <laughs> groups in America. Um, I mean, I can, I can definitely get behind that. Um, so, so that puts a wrinkle in things because if this is the last two people on MySpace, <laughs> she can't really she can't really narc on this other person that's using MySpace because then that person's going to shut down their MySpace account and she will literally have no one else to be social media buddies with. Right. I mean, that would be very dangerous. Uh, I feel because if they're not already like if they haven't made the transition to Facebook and connected with them on the Facebook. Um, I, I worry about, uh, well, multiple things, but I worry that maybe their, their friendship is only, uh, is only persisted because of the, the weird digital matter that makes up MySpace. Um, that's the only medium in which it can exist. So if, if MySpace goes away and I think it's like one of those, uh, uh, I forget what game it was, but there's an old game where, they left the servers on as long as there were players logged in. And as soon as everybody logged off, they would completely shut down the servers. Um, these may be the last two people in MySpace, And as soon as they you know, go like a couple days without logging in, <laughs> then they'll literally just delete MySpace. 
There's um, there's one person left working at MySpace, and their only he's job praying. is he's praying for the sweet release of death, <laughs> so that he can he can uh, achieve his final rest. It's like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Like it's just him and the servers. <laughs> he's several thousand years old at this point, and and he is he's... just he is animated only by this website uh, once once he can flip the switch on the website he will crumble into dust see he expected to uh achieve his eternal release um years and years ago um but much to his dismay it has persisted uh another few years um, because of these two nitwits <laughs> oh man i expected us to get more mileage out of the the the, the disability fraud not the <laughs> <laughs> Not the MySpace shit. Um, yeah, so if if I saw somebody doing this, um, I guess it depends on how close of a friend or, or coworker I was with them. Um, I would, I would have a pro. You know, from a company standpoint, yeah, somebody needs to probably let them know. But I wouldn't necessarily feel uh, overly obligated to do that. Uh, just from like you know company loyalty. My f- my whole thing would be like, hmm, they're getting shit for free and I'm not, and this makes me mad. So that is, after I- all, pretty much what Law and Order runs on: is everyone else <laughs> wanting to make sure that everyone else isn't getting over on them. Everybody else is having the uh, the same shitty time, and anybody anybody who skirts the law to have a good time needs to be shut down quick. Yeah, I mean. I guess the the moral of the story is kids don't do MySpace. Not even once. Not even once. Like if you <laughs> if you smoke a MySpace, you will become addicted and the next step right after that is heroin or Facebook. I mean, do you do you understand how much it takes uh to acquire a MySpace? Um I mean, you're going to have to give up all your friends, all your family. Uh, I think there's a law that says you can't have both Facebook and, and MySpace. Um, you're gonna have to give up a lot just for one hit of a, of a MySpace, and it's not gonna be worth it. Yeah, because it's not gonna last. A crocodile uh, addiction is probably uh, an easier time. <laughs> if you're going for longevity and an easier addiction, just go with go with bath salts over MySpace. <laughs> also, don't don't commit uh, insurance fraud. I guess. Yeah, that that's a bad time. Um, and if you do, make sure to invite your fr- your uh, coworkers to the parties that you throw. Maybe they'll be cool with it. So I, I gotta say, uh, though, in closing, knowing that they're leaving the company, if this person isn't like my best friend, uh, yeah, you gotta snitch them out. Yeah, I, I'd forgotten about that. That that's a really good point. Yeah, just just go ahead and rat them out because they're already planning on leaving the company. This is no longer just a free ride before they return to work. This is free ride until they go somewhere else. Exactly. That is, they're no longer loyal to you, and soon uh, you will not care about them whatsoever. So go ahead and fuck them over now. Or not even fuck them over. Just go ahead and uh, and uh, expo- <laughs> expose their felony. And then, finally, the last guy at MySpace can know peace. <laughs> Want to punch the clock, Derek? Let's do that. 
If you have any questions you'd like for us to answer on air, send them to questions at WLICast.com. You can also visit us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash WLICast or on Twitter at WLMBalance and use the hashtag WLICast. This has been the Work-Life Imbalance Podcast. I'm Frank Eastman. And I'm Derek Lewis. And with that, I think we're going to have to transfer you. Ding 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 